Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Around Farm Progress. It's Farmgate Friday. This series looks at hot topics affecting key agriculture commodities, and more specifically, what they mean for your farm. I'm your host, Rachel Schutte, here along with Jacqueline Holland, Farm Futures Grain Market Analyst. For today's hot topic, we're digging in to USDA's March 31st Prospective Plantings Report. This report provides the first official estimates of farmers' 2023 planting intentions. The acreage estimates from the National Agricultural Statistics Service are based on surveys conducted during the first two weeks of March from a sample of nearly 73,000 farm operators across the nation. We will discuss what the numbers mean at the farm gate level and the market movers you should keep an eye on as planters start rolling. Jackie, let's dig right in. USDA's prospective plantings report released March 31st certainly surprised the markets. The report was largely bullish for soybeans. We saw soybeans go up quite a bit in the markets following right after the report. And corn had a little downward movement. What are some of the overarching takeaways that you saw in the report? That's a really good question, Rachel. I think the the kind of overarching sentiment that we saw is that we saw more acres come into production this year. It's important to remember the prospective plantings report is exactly what it says it is. It's perspective. It's not what farmers are actually planting this spring, but it's what they want to plant. So we know that a lot could change between now and the next few weeks of spring. That could really influence how farmers are intending to outlay their acreage for the year. And I think a key thing to keep in mind, too, is this prospective plantings report assumes normal weather patterns. And I think anybody who's up in the upper Midwest the Northern Plains, you know, really the Dakotas, there's a lot of heavy snow up there and they're getting more snow. The big thing that Friday's report found was last year's prevent plant acres from the Northern Plains and upper Midwest are going to come back into production. But a lot of that really hinges on a couple really key regions. Right. So I'm just going to bring it out in the open right away. Our farm futures acreage estimates that we released prior to the report were not close. They were definitely off, and so were the range of trade guesses posted before the report. Do you think some of that that you just mentioned with the weather patterns could be why some of those trade guesses were off? Yeah, that's dead on. USDA came out and said that they're expecting 92 million acres of corn to be planted this year. I have a sneaking suspicion Our projections were much more forward-looking than what USDA's were at this point in time. I think we especially saw that with corn acres. We figured our area of uncertainty of flux acres was going to be in the Great Plains, but USDA really showed us that, no, actually, those flex acres this year where more corn acreage is actually being added is in the southeast and in North Dakota. Those are two really important regions this year. North Dakota is expected to add 800,000 acres of corn this year. 920,000 acres are expected to be added from the southeast. 
And right now we're looking at trying to determine the odds of whether or not that will happen. If we're going to see that snowpack melt off enough in enough time this spring to bring around close to a million acres up in that region that is really in flux. And the additional corn acres from the southeast we actually saw soybean and cotton acres decline in the southeast, the southern Mississippi River Delta. And I think that really speaks to the low Mississippi River levels we saw last fall. And into this winter, I think farmers were hedging their bets about making sure that they had the input as well as the selling market this coming fall to ensure that they weren't going to be left sitting with a crop that they couldn't sell. So I think we're just seeing a lot of risk management strategies play out on a very large level in both the Northern Plains and the Southeast right now. And thinking between that split between corn and soybeans, with input prices where they are and crop budgets, that could definitely drive folks either way. Can you speak more to that? Yeah, we've seen input prices come down dramatically really in the last six months. There there are some inputs that are preferable for using spring application that might still be expensive for farmers, but not by any means unaffordable at the current market prices. So we're seeing really strong crop budgets. We've seen soybeans rally and claw back some of their market share. So these corn and soybean budgets are very competitive with one another this year. And I think depending on how weather shakes out over the next little bit, I think we could see the gap between corn and soybean acreage narrow quite a bit more than what USDA estimated last Friday. And now with this rally and the budgets being where they are, what about double crop acres? Are those counted in this report? Something that really hasn't been widely discussed is there really isn't a good methodology that any of the USDA agencies between NAS, FSA, RMA have really been able to figure out to measure those double crop bean acres. So I think this is going to be another case where because we've seen so much soft red winter wheat get planted in the eastern corn belt this past fall, I think that means we probably won't know until August, September, really what these final bean acres are this year. And overall for soybeans, where are we going to see changes this year? Soybeans only grew a little bit this year. The biggest increase that we're expected to see is actually in North Dakota. There's about 850,000 additional acres of soybeans that are expected to be planted up there. North Dakota is just really the wild card state this year. For soybeans, there was flat growth in Illinois, Iowa, and Nebraska, but we actually saw fewer acres that could probably benefit from more drought-stricken regions like Kansas and also the Mississippi River Delta area. So that was very surprising. I think everybody was expecting, with all this talk about growing renewable diesel capacity, for there to be a surge in soybean acres this year. But it turns out hope isn't enough to to drive some of these acreage decisions much as markets kind of want it to be. 
Absolutely. Until we see those facilities truly come online, that demand isn't going to be in the market quite yet. Exactly. So overall for corn and soybeans, how are the crops going to compare to prior years when it comes to yield projection? I used USDA's trendlined yields, which are higher than my estimates for corn, but lower than my estimates for soybeans. We're still looking at the second largest corn and soybean crops individually this year if those trendline yields hold through. But in order for that to work, you know, we need to be able to get into the fields in a timely manner. We need to get the rains this summer when we want and avoid the heat at peak reproduction times. There's still a lot that could happen between now and then. And as always, Mother Nature has the final say on yield outcomes. Now, moving on to wheat. Wheat acres in USDA's report were up 9% from 2022. But as we know, drought has taken quite a toll on some of the quality ratings. What's the chance that all of those acres will actually get harvested? USDA is still holding firm that they're going to. But I think it's really going to depend on crop insurance stipulations. And that's a really hard dynamic for the market to capture on a day-to-day basis. We saw a nice rally for Kansas City wheat futures last week after USDA's report. I think that suggests that the market is very skeptical that farmers are just going to let that winter wheat crop in terrible condition keep going. I think there's a lot of farmers who might look at this terrible winter wheat crop and say, well, I can disc this under, plant something else, and still get a decent crop out of it, as opposed to harvesting a lackluster, harder winter wheat crop. So I think that's a dynamic that, you know, maybe this year, early March, when USDA surveyed, it was just too early for farmers to really tell with a higher degree of certainty than we'd like to see what is truly going to happen this spring. Absolutely. A lot has happened since those surveys went out. And as we know, time and weather will definitely have a major role in deciding some of these acreage decisions moving into spring. Another noteworthy crop in the report was hay. Yeah, so hay has become kind of a really big topic of curiosity for me. Because the total acreage in the U.S. is pretty well fixed at this point, And by that, I just mean we aren't finding new acreage at a rapid pace anymore, as we're currently seeing underway in countries like Brazil or Russia or to a kind of limited degree now Ukraine. So to that end, hay has really kind of become the crop that either gives or absorbs acreage as the market allows. You know, but the one thing we didn't really hear a whole lot about of headed into Friday's report was that hay stocks here in the U.S. are actually at their lowest point since the 1950s. And we know that with the drought on the plains, 
with, you know, so much cattle being liquidated on the plains, there's a very real demand for those hay stocks. So to me, it really wasn't a surprise that we saw harvested hay acres rise 2% year over year this year. When you consider all that, it was even less surprising that we saw that increase driven by acreage in the south. Texas is actually going to harvest 15% more hay acreage this year than last year. And again, I think that's a direct reflection of these low stocks and just really turbulent weather conditions in these key cattle producing areas. Now, when we think big picture, based on what we've talked about today, what are the biggest market movers farmers should keep an eye on in the coming weeks? We're entering the time of year where Short-term and long-term weather forecasts are going to generate a lot of market movement. We're still a few weeks out from seeing USDA's first looks at crop progress reports. So until then, it's really going to be weather. Weather and really any sort of market upheaval that we see from South America, those two are going to be the biggest things that shift prices here in the next couple weeks. Well, thank you, Jackie. And that's a wrap on this FarmGate Friday. There's a lot going on with markets. And a special thanks goes out to Farm Futures Market Analyst Jacqueline Holland for sharing her expertise to interpret data from USDA's March 31st reports. If you don't want to miss what we're talking about here at Around Farm Progress, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress to hear the latest episode. To get more market insights from Jackie and the Farm Futures team, subscribe to our free Farm Futures daily newsletters sent every weekday morning and afternoon. And of course, you can always follow along with us online at farmfutures.com.